Hello, welcome to episode three of Live, Laugh, Love Real Estate, Conversations with Lisa Loveland and Costa Hansis. Um, today, I think we have a, an interesting topic. We're going to talk about real estate versus reality TV. Favorite topic. <laughs> you know, I, I can't even sometimes bring myself to watch these shows, um, but you know, Million Dollar Listing and all of these reality TV shows, everyone loves real estate. So yes, the networks did a phenomenal job on, you know, uh, satisfying a need. But yep. is that realistic at all? Remains to be seen. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> so I think what it's done, it's, it's, actually, it's actually hurt our business because so many people watch this. And of course, they're not out buying and selling homes every day. Um, so they don't know what really goes on in the day-to-day -day of buying or of being a real estate agent. And, you know, I don't know, I've never, <laughs> as long as I've been in the business and I've been in a long time, I haven't been out to lunch having a glass of wine with a client and all of a sudden my phone rings and it's the seller with our counter offer and all of a sudden we just get to discuss it there and, and make that deal happen. Or I drive over with my offer and paper and, and, and we discuss it. It's interesting because the, the industry is going so high tech right now to create efficiencies and right. then these shows show this actual you know paperwork and, and driving to people's homes just a coincidence oh. <laughs> exactly Coincidentally, happened to be happened in your to neighbor at, happened to get dinner. the call um and you know it's interesting it always works out or yeah. else it gives a little dramatic flair now the whole point of a real estate agent one of their biggest jobs is to take that drama and theatrics out of an already emotional sale. So the infighting and the bitchy performances and the, you know, the heads are going to roll type of negotiating. Right. Um, I know it doesn't happen in our markets and I, I venture a bet that it doesn't happen in a lot of markets, but it makes good that. TV. <laughs> Does make good TV for yeah. sure. Like the Jersey Shore. There's so many different TV shows. That's what million dollar listing, New York, LA. Yeah. What was the other one? Selling Sunset. Is it one of the newer ones? Yes, I haven't seen Selling Sunset. I've never watched it either. Yeah. I know uh, somebody that I watch on YouTube, a guy named Graham Stefan, who does like finance stuff. He was on it as like a special guest, which was cool, but I never, I just never watched it. But there's yeah. just so many spinoffs. Flip this. There's Flipping Boston was a popular one. Mm -hmm. um, but there's just so many. It's the same thing with reality TV and anything. It's like before, like, especially when I was younger, I used to be so like engulfed in that. I was like, oh, this is so like crazy. I can't believe this happens. And then like now I watch it and like, whatever that is. I know my mom was a big, uh, what was it? Real Housewives. She still loves it, Real Housewives. <laughs> she just jokes around and says like, so I'm forced to watch it sometimes. And like most of the time when I was younger, I was like, this is just stupid. And I still think that too. But at the same time, it was just, there's just so many spinoffs and it's just like, now I watch it and there's just, it's like this stuff just like doesn't happen. It was more believable when I was younger. It's like right. anything when you're younger is more believable. You're like, oh, this really happens in a false perception of reality. Same thing with the real estate. Yeah. She used, well, she used to watch Million Dollar Listing and that's, one of the reasons why, not why I got into real estate, but one of the reasons why I kind of like procured my interest in, in real estate. Right. Well, I mean, what I do love about it is seeing all the all the properties, especially in right. especially uh, million dollar listing New York. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, that's just stuff you'd never see. And right. I guess it's kind of fun if you're not in the business to fantasize and think that that's actually how how things get done. It's very glamorous, and um, but it's uh, it really doesn't work that way. No, <laughs> unfortunately. Sometimes I wish it was that glamorous and stuff like that, but that's just not reality whatsoever. No, it isn't. Maybe and in some people's heads that they like to think right. that they're part of the, uh, we see some things too, just wherever the market is or agents in different areas 
definitely you would assume or feel as though that they're on a TV show or something based upon social media and different things like that. But reality TV is pretty much social media, the older version of social media yeah. amplified. And now it just took a different turn. Right. Uh, yeah. And that's interesting. It, it, it's expensive to do those types of shows and it isn't expensive to do the Instagram and the videos and things that you can do on your own. So as we've said before, it's, it's kind of social media is leveling the playing field. Exactly. <clears throat> and I think um, what those original shows have kind of set a precedent for is that, um, you know, your real estate agent pretty much has to, you know, double as a movie star or supermodel right? in order to, you know, sell your house, your house for the highest dollar in the quickest amount of time. Exactly. Um, and really you couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, maybe those movie stars and supermodels would have great networks and you certainly want your agent to have a network so they can properly expose your property. Yep. But, um, my recommendation would be any agent, and you should look at a few different agents, um, but you, the ones that should go on your short list are the ones that uh, know who the client is, mm -hmm. um, put the client's needs before their own self-interests, have a good anal uh, analysis of the analytics, understanding of the analytics of the market, and know how to market um, based on um, market conditions, um, different mediums for advertising, and understanding the profile of the buyer who would be for that particular, I'll call it a product, right. um, to take the emotion out. Exactly. <laughs> but the product being your house. Right. I think uh, it was Ryan Serhant. I was listening to his new book. I think I've listened to both, like Sell It by Serhant. Listen by, I mean, I get the audiobook version, so I have a lot of books I listen to. It was Sell It by Serhant, and then his new book is, I forget what it is, um, Big Money Energy. And he was talking about his time on Million Dollar Listing, how he, he got on the show. That's a whole story in itself, how he got on the show. But he pretty much portrayed himself as this larger-than-life person, even though he barely had any listings. Yeah. He had a rental and different things like that. But the funniest part was it, and what most people probably don't realize is, he thought as soon as the show aired, his email would be filled with emails of people, I want to buy from you, or phone calls to say, you be my real estate agent. I have all these properties I want right. you to sell. And the truth is, he said, that didn't happen right away. It took a long time. I think he said it was like a year, really, before he started to see like different things kick in. But it goes to show you that he even himself like thought that the show, All This Exposure, would do that. But he was just like, then he thought about it. He's like, well, who's going to want to hire this reality TV real estate agent uh, yeah, yeah. on this it, show? There, it could be a double-edged sword. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So might not be taken seriously. But it certainly gives you... Um, uh, you know, a good way to present who you are. Although right. on a network television show, you're really not representing who you are. You have to do what the the network right. wants you to, um, which is I always find interesting about reality TV. You know, you can sit there and say, oh, my God, this is so ridiculous. But everybody's watching it. So they're yeah. making these shows so that people will watch, and that's what the public is looking for. Right. So I'm not sure that says great things about us. No. And they don't portray you the way they want to either. Everybody that's yeah. on reality TV after says, and I guess if you don't understand TV and production and things like that, they just, they're usually filming for like a year of stuff, and they just take the little clips and then mash them together. So it, you could, they can portray you in any way possible. Yeah. You could be there. And then he, Ryan, Ryan said that actually in the thing too. He's like, in the beginning, he was this like playboy who's just an asshole pretty much on the show. And people would come up in the street and like yell at him and say, I hate you on that TV show. And he's like, but he's actually like, as it as come to find out, if you didn't see him on the show, he's actually a pretty personable, fun, like down to earth yeah. guy. He's just, the show wanted that out of him. So he did it like that and they had to present him like that. And 
it can almost hurt your reputation sometimes if you're not able to kind of counter that and come back with the reality. Right, because you're you're not actually forming your own brand. You're the brand of the television show, and unless it's very similar, yeah, that's absolutely true. Right, it could be detrimental. I think the social media part uh, part you said before too is it's leveled the playing field. Mm-hmm. That's a huge that Gary V talks about that all the time about how TikTok now is a huge thing. How these kids pretty much that were just one video viral and all of a sudden their brand deals and this and that social media is done. It's pretty much given cut out the middleman. The gatekeeper has got to You can go get this podcast equipment. We see right here, the cameras, everything like that yourself. It's rather inexpensive. I mean, of course, like some of the gear is definitely pricey, but it's nothing out of reach that most general people can't work up to or save for and do and actually be a contender and compete yeah. with celebrities and, and actors. It's, a, it's amazing. I mean, what makes, something go viral like that. Some of that stuff just seems so random. You know, I always wonder, what were they thinking when they did that? What was what was their plan? Did they have a strategy to go viral? Did it just happen? Yeah. Um, I, think I it's want a, our podcast to go viral. Exactly. <laughs> in time, we might have to throw in some uh, reality TV drama in here. Exactly. Maybe that <laughs> start some bomb drops, some music, yeah. some laugh, laugh exactly. tracks. Exactly. If you have some something here. There we go. The applause. This board is just complicated, but... We should program some cool sounds in here. Yeah, I think go yeah. Add to the addition of that. But yeah, social media, I think the making stuff go viral, sometimes it's done on purpose, sometimes it's not. A lot of the times, and people spend a lot of time kind of analyzing those those content or those people, creators that actually do go viral. And a lot of the times it's combining like relatableness mm-hmm. is like the biggest thing of seeing somebody that's just like a normal person. Um, then it's also entertaining at the same time too. So it could be like a trending topic that somebody does. It's like a dance now, especially for TikTok. It could be a YouTube video in terms of like zero. To, the biggest ones are like zero to a millionaire. Like I did this. I made a million dollars on Amazon FBA selling books or selling yeah. this. Um, but specifically like the TikTok's the biggest thing right now. And these kids just, the thing is you don't realize too, if you don't like kind of, and I'm pretty interested in like, I played sports my entire life, three sports, basketball, baseball, and football in high school, but I was more, um, I wasn't the biggest fan of watching sports. I was more mm. fascinated on the players and just like what they did outside of the sports, how they got there, mm-hmm. like what did they do for fun, their training and different things like that. I'm more of a fan of the people, not the actual sport as a whole. And the same thing is with creators and YouTubers and different things. I like to look at like where they came from and truly understand, okay, did this person just come out of nowhere or... Yeah. It was just over, I forget the saying is it's like overnight success that took like 10 years to come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't see them. But a lot of the times these kids on TikTok, especially, they started on another platform called Musical.ly, which is another similar similar app. Vine was another similar one before that. But they've been doing it for a while and all of a sudden came on TikTok and these other things. Blew up on TikTok in terms of views and different things like that. But took that virality and that following Mm -hmm. And then went to YouTube because it's very hard to grow organically and blow up off YouTube alone. Yeah. Usually the people that do are somebody that was famous before. Like a lot of the times like athletes start YouTube channels, but, or celebrities, but like Will Smith or there's different ones. Uh, I think Jennifer Lopez too. Like they didn't do YouTube before. They were just famous. And then they started YouTube mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they have a million followers overnight because they're already famous. So right. they already got that traction. Right. It's hard to organically do that if you're not coming from somewhere um, before of having some sort of fame. Yeah. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. No, it makes total sense. I don't know that much about TikTok, but I know you're going to educate me on it. TikTok. Yeah. It's, it's a, <laughs> it's a wild app. It's, it's changed from dancing to. So for other things. people that are my age that might not be that familiar with TikTok, we're, we're also, the group is, is uh, marketing or, you know, marketing or 
what, what do you do on TikTok? So it, it depends on the different things you do, but for us on our TikTok account, we're just taking like the, because we're filming this in, in video form too and audio, and what we're doing is taking short little video clips. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I, I, I take the clip, um, if we talk about a certain topic that's interesting in itself, just take like a, a one minute, because TikTok, it can either be 15 seconds or up to a minute in content. So just take a little video clip from that then post that little video clip from the episode on TikTok, which is a lot of podcasts do or a lot of YouTubers and different things do is just take, recycle their content on there okay. and post it and stuff. Still do organic TikTok stuff, but it's a great place to take if you're any sort of content creator um, or in business in general, just take stuff that you already have and make short form content out of it. And what pretty much TikTok is, is just short little videos of anything. It could be dances, clips from movies. And it, it goes, it vanishes, right? It doesn't stay up. It's like a story that goes away? No, it stays up. Oh, it stays Snapchat up. Snapchat okay. is the one that doesn't, gotcha. which is not as popular anymore. But that would be, that was created because the whole idea is Instagram and Facebook were there before Snapchat. Mm-hmm. But the issue was that you could send pictures or you post to Instagram or Facebook, it stays up on there. Snapchat, on the other hand, you can send a Snapchat of a picture to somebody and it vanishes right away. Mm-hmm. So it's that form of communication that general people can't see so unless you, you can see too if like the thing is you can screenshot it but if you screenshot say somebody sends you something that they don't want getting out they can see if you screenshot it but there's different things that people do to get around those kind of workarounds but snapchat's whole idea was more privacy tiktok is more just like a short form video place where you can do little short one minute clips mm-hmm. the whole thing about social media nowadays is quick content and really just short things not like big like this is a long form content podcast yeah. which is also huge because the thing is with podcasts is it's the only way that you can really get an organic feel like for example joe rogan blew up because he had two to three hour conversations with famous people that you mm. never really heard talk except for on their on stage yeah. athletes and it was a way that they just sat down had a conversation and you could really get it gain a true understanding of who they were right and you're also going into a podcast with the expectation that it's going to be a little bit longer and you can kind of turn it on in the background so it's not like even a three-minute video. Sometimes you're like, all right, when are you going to get to the end of it? Right. You know? Um, and um, wh- where do you think, uh, wh- which which one of those platforms do you think is most effective in building your exposure? I think for a while, TikTok, especially like a year ago, 2020 into like 2021, when it first started blowing up, was you could make a video, have no followers, and all of a sudden blow up have 100,000 followers, 200,000 followers, up to a million sometimes. And that was a place where you could just quickly grow. Uh, I think now it's kind of a mix. Now you got to do kind of everything. You got to be on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. You should kind of put yourself everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I, I think TikTok still has some momentum because there's still people that out of nowhere gain millions of followers and just because of somewhere I think it's just that whole relatable thing it's different in terms of the the business space business is not as flashy and entertaining as like dance right. videos and like right. hype videos of different things like that or goofy funny stuff mm-hmm. that is doesn't appeal to everybody more of the funny stuff is an easier platform to go go viral on TikTok so I, I'd still say TikTok's pretty huge um, LinkedIn's a great place for business still yeah it's definitely you get your eyes and um, a lot of views um, Instagram's slowly dying a little bit. It's not as popular as it was before, but it's mm-hmm. still a platform that everybody still uses just to do stuff. But I think what Instagram and Facebook now that they're, they're owned by they're owned together. So I right. think that they will definitely 
bring some new innovations to the table. They've already did Instagram Reels, which is a competitor of TikTok. They did Instagram Stories way back, which is pretty much taking Snapchat's idea of doing mm-hmm. stories. And then they brought it, and all of a sudden, Snapchat, Snapchat lost huge market share because of it. Um, it's, it's interesting. Do you think, so, so these platforms don't stay around that long? Yeah. You know, is it is it um, the public's always need for something bigger and better and faster and funnier or um, wh- why do you think the viewership changes because so quickly? That's definitely, it's honestly tough to give one catalyst. I, I definitely think the short term videos have been coming for a while. That's mm-hmm. why TikTok blew up because like 10 minute YouTube videos are like nobody has time for 10 minutes, but you have time for a quick dopamine hit of a 15 second clip. Right. And I think it's it's definitely that new age thing that um, people always want new. They always want better, different. They get satisfied with the same stuff. Um, especially nowadays, we have so many different options in terms of technology. You can do anything really. And I think sometimes it's just luck. Sometimes it's just where the market is, trends are going. And I think the ones that are always adapting, like Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. I think they'll always be around. It might not be as popular as they were when they first came out or some years ago. Um, but I definitely think those will, will stay. Facebook will stay. And it kind of just depends on what is new. I guess the younger generation has definitely influenced it. And that's seen a lot as these younger TikTokers and little different YouTubers and stuff like that are, are competing with celebrities and athletes. They're, yes. the, they're the new actors. Yeah. No, I don't want to be an actor. I want to be a social media influencer. That's the new saying with kids nowadays. Yeah. I think they do still want to be actors and like models. That's a big thing that they want to do, but it's uh, it's a different way to fame now. It's not as you have to go through a talent agency and a different things like that. And pretty much what that does too is if you think like that, you'll never really do anything because if you're just like, oh, I need an agent to do this or a mm-hmm. talent agent or a, rep- a record deal to do that. No, you don't. You can make your own music, buy the gear yourself, record at your house if you're a musician or say you're a rapper. You want to record, buy the recording gear at your house. You don't even have to pay to a studio. You don't have to go to a big old studio. You can do it yeah. on your laptop. You can post it on SoundCloud. It's industry and all changing. Of a sudden, it's, yeah. It's crazy. So yeah. we'll see. I think it's definitely, there's definitely unique catalysts that play a part in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely think it'll always be like a new thing that comes and goes. Like TikTok's new, Vine stayed for a bit. Musically, that went. But I think there'll always be a different little platform with that. Triller is a big one too. Like the the YouTube, the boxing is huge now. Like boxing mm-hmm. is making a comeback because these YouTubers are and TikTok stars are, are starting to box each other as a, <laughs> a money making thing, which is just it's bringing the sport of boxing back. Maybe not in the best way for the boxing community and fans, but all of a sudden you have your favorite YouTuber boxing your other favorite YouTuber, yeah, and they're making a lot of money off of it. So that could be a form too. You could real estate agent boxing matches <laughs> that could be a seller that TV would show. actually be hilarious <laughs> that might be i don't know if that'd be the best idea but hey i'm certainly sometimes they probably do want to box each other exactly to make money off of it yeah but social media is changing it's just you have to be ready to adapt and spread yourself across the different things have the, the long the good form content have good content mm-hmm. and you can always adapt to the different things and stay on top of things so we shall see in terms of social media. Yeah, no, it's fun. It's fun to watch. It's fun to, you know, kind of watch the analytics on what kind of engagement you get with what type of post. Right. Um, I mean, everyone likes a dog post. Yes. But we've got to figure ways that we can really get engagement with real estate. Exactly. And what, what's going to um, keep people tuned in. 
um, to, you know, to, to long forms like we have here and then to our regular marketing on, on the other channels. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time to be doing this kind of, um, analysis and, and marketing and being creative and, I'm not good with technology. You're fantastic at technology. Even though I sold technology my whole career before I got into real estate. Right. I always had somebody else to do the installs. Yeah. I could speak the concepts. That's definitely a big question right there is the, which I kind of took a fascination to is um, how to make real estate appeal to everybody. Because you notice on Instagram is usually if you post pictures of a listing, for example, or some sort of real estate related content, we see, I, I look at other accounts just to see in analytics is those views, I mean, those posts don't really get as many likes as like, for example, like you taking a picture of yourself out at dinner or with your family or different things like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those ones get a couple hundred likes, and then you post a picture of like, just closed on this or sold the house, look at my listing or brand new listing um, that gets like 20, 30, 50 right. likes. Um, and I think... I don't know if it's the algorithms and Instagrams or, and Facebook and just different things like that, but I think it's more of people are more interested in you as a person. The, the listings and different things like that are, are cool. I don't know if it's a jealousy thing sometimes too. Sometimes people see other listings and they see other agents doing well or people in general doing well and all of a sudden they don't want to like those posts because they look at the competition or just say, oh, well, this person's They're doing so much. Bloviating. yeah. And, you know, that's a tough balance, too, because our job is to let people know that we are in business and, and they need to understand that we do do good business. And it's not that I hopefully people don't think that's just all about us and the agent. It is important to understand, you know, what's going under agreement, who's selling what, and that the person that you might be considering working with actually is out there, you know, doing stuff. Um, and then the challenge is to try to figure out what what people are going to want other than that. Okay, so we see that you guys are doing business. That, that's that's it. Now, what's the other interesting creative content? Where's the hook? Where's the trigger for them? Um, and we're still, you know, trying to figure all that stuff out, um, where what, what people really want to see and what's going to make them not just um, like us, but to engage in comments. So it's one thing to follow, and it's another thing to actually have engaging con- content right? Um, where people are we're having, you know, two-way conversations. My gut analysis, of course, this is just our opinions and when it comes to different things like that, but I think people are so hesitant to engage with content sometimes, especially if it's like a lot of the posts, we kind of shifted our posts more to always asking for a, a CTA, a call to action of like, hey, interested in buying, hey, interested in selling, reach out. A lot of the times you see in any business, um, and it's different product-based businesses because that's a different marketing approach, but especially to real estate as more of like a service-based business. Um, if you post on your story, and a lot of people do this, is like looking to buy or sell, DM me, or looking to do this, DM me. Every single post is reach out to me. And the thing is, is people don't want to reach out to you really right. until they're ready to do so. Yep. And it's that still needs to be said too because you could catch somebody at the right time and they finally like, are they're like, okay, it's time to buy. And you posted something on your story that says, hey, reach out to me right. um, if you're interested in buying. And, and we don't do it personally. It's not like we're on there like typing up a post being right. like, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to send this post out and just everybody's going to like this and everybody's gonna, looking to buy and everybody's going to be like, you know what? Raise my hand. I, yeah, I am looking I'm to buy. I'm ready to. It's just Thank you for asking. Yeah. Wow. It's just like you, you wish that happened because like a lot of the times like our intentions are when we, we post, it's like, hey, if you're looking to 
we try to frame it in the best way. And it's just like pretty much taking your philosophies as you taught me and, and putting in more of a social media form where people can see it on a greater scale. And it's the same concept of, Hey, is like, we're, we're not here to bombard you with questions. We're right. not going to call you all the time and say, have you made a decision? Have you done this? Have you done that? No, that's just not how we operate. We truly do want to help. And just, if you have a question about something and you're not even looking for buying, like that's, that's fine. Like we'll help you out. It's not like Plus, we don't yeah. owe us anything. No. And it's an, ex- honestly, everyone for the agent, it's an exhausting process to ask dead end. Everyone says, oh, ask open-ended questions. Yes. But if somebody doesn't have an interest, we're not going to change their mind. So we don't want to waste our time trying to get you into a corner just to say yes. Right. Um, so the, I remember when I first started, I mean, none of this stuff was around. We did mailers and I didn't have any listings. I'd do open houses for people. and But I got these really cool cards that were flashy and it wasn't really about real estate. They just looked like art. And I, I would mail them and I'd be at parties and, you know, somebody introduced me. I'm like, Lisa Loveland, the realtor. I'm like, yeah. Oh, we see your signs all over. <laughs> and I'd be like, really? <laughs> right. I, no, I wouldn't say that. I'd say, thank you so much. Um, but my signs weren't all over. I didn't have that much business. But they saw my cards. Yeah. So they just registered. You know, they, they saw my card and they threw it out. But it registered in their mind that who I was and what I did. They don't remember exactly where they saw it. So it's that's another reason why it's good to be in all these different mediums because people just get used to um, seeing your name. And if they're liking what they see and hear, you can start to build that relationship without even really having a conversation. And then when that postcard came to someone and they were ready, they didn't throw it out and they and they reached out. Um, so, you know, the reaching out is in a different way now. But, um, you know, it's always so interesting. The rules never change. The medium changes, but right. the rules are pretty much the same as to what we need to do in order to build a good business or personal relationship with our clients. Absolutely. Definitely. The Not a lot of, thing of things have changed in regards to anything. They've just kind of, as you said, adapted into a different form, like mm-hmm. reality TV. That's social media now. It's like not reality TV is still popular, but not as popular. Social media is more taken over, but still right. people see authority if you're on a TV show it's like oh my god that person's on TV the weatherman oh his yeah. credibility he's on TV right they're wrong most of the time but yes. hey, <laughs> you're on TV so he must know what he's talking about yeah. but it's like the, the the biggest change I see is, is the whole like billboard advertising and the park bench advertising with your face or yeah. you walk down the corner you see a, one of those I don't even know what they're called like the columns where it has like a painting or like some sort of picture on it of like yeah. looking to buy or sell like contact me your favorite agent or a big poster Gary V jokes around and is like nobody cares about your, your billboard, Barry, like in your, in your suit and stuff like that. And it's like the, the picture on everything I, I'm personally like, and we don't do it. We're not a fan of like slapping our face on every, like a lot of times you see like a just listed and it's like their agent's face covering up half the thing. It's just like, it's kind of cr- cringe at the same time too. I guess some people don't in- intentionally do it on purpose. It's just more like that's what's been told and that's what to do. Right. Right. Which is just kind of, it makes it seem like, as we talked about, and we talked about actually part of the past two episodes, it makes it seem like this is about us and we're just the people that this is all about us. We want something out of you, the clients, and that's the furthest thing from the truth, especially for us. We, I mean, we can only, as I said before, we can only right. speak about us and our intentions, but we're not here to just put our face over and have our egos just be patted on the back all the time, too. Right. We're actually But feel trying. free to pat us on the back if you want. We, I'll take we it. We respond well. But no, yeah, it's all about satisfying the needs of uh, the buyers and sellers that we work with. And it makes it fun. Yeah. You know, when you make something about you, it's, 
that becomes boring. You know, you have to, you have to love yourself and, and, and be, you know, comfortable within your own skin. But, um, and I, and I think you can't really be effective in a sales position if you don't, I always say you either have got to be pretty well processed or an addict <laughs> <laughs> because you're chasing a lot of things out there and you gotta, there's a lot of, um, you gotta have a lot of energy and not be afraid to, you know, totally get, um, rejected and you know when you think about all the things you go through as a salesperson you wonder why anyone would ever want to do it but um but it's fun and it's the strategy is fun and the negotiating is fun and you know just you can you can tell when you've 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 connected with someone you can see them relax you can see it in their eyes and that's you know i say this all the time there's so many different wins in this process and and that's aside from getting an offer accepted, but um, (laughs) seeing in someone's eyes that they finally connected and they trusted you is a ginormous win. Because then you know you're both on the same page, you're trusting each other, the communication is going to be good, they're going to be able to tell you what their bottom line is so you can we can put together the most effective strategy for them. And you know they have a loyal you have a loyal client. Yeah. I think it's the funniest thing too is when I really got started in terms of the adult life, in terms of work and different things like that, doing leasing where I started, it was more of the driving factor and like my excitement and like the adrenaline rushing was not like me thinking about the money at the end of the table. Like, okay, if I do this, then I'm going to have a commission. Okay. That, and the same thing as real estate, that is still not the driver. I have so much more fun just wanting to win right. the process of finding somebody that the place and having them, have a great experience and do do something like that and really getting the home, especially now in terms of the market being low inventories, winning the offer, getting the offer accepted and then finding this person a home, whether it's buying or selling, that is the excitement. The excitement's right. not, don't, I don't even think about the money really at the end. That comes after, but it's like, I remember being, I don't consider myself, I think it's a good thing at the same time too, to not be always attached to the outcome. Of course, mm-hmm. the money will come along, but that comes along if, and I, one of my favorite quotes that you said before, um, not on the podcast in general is we're not happy unless our clients are happy. Right. Cause that's, right. we don't get paid till yeah. our clients are happy. Yeah. And you still. know, I always say this too, money, money's just an energetic exchange. Yeah. So it's going to come unless you block it. And the best way to block it is to make it about you and not see what's in front of you as far as a process and a path. So when you're in a good flow um, and you're not completely in your own self-interest, um, so the stuff just happens. You know, and I, I've said it before, I say it all the time, I said it on one of the first podcasts, you know, set strong intentions and let go of the, detach yourself from the outcome. That's the beautiful thing about life. Yeah. We can plan all the live long day and we get there in the strangest of ways, but we always get there we just don't always know what path is going to take us there. And if we don't, you've, you've, you know, you've, you've got to pivot and, and change, but it makes it exciting. But for the most part, when we've done our work and we've set a plan and we've let it, let it go, not the plan, but let go how we're going to get there, um, we enjoy the ride. Right. I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned in just my short amount of time of really just on this planet, your short yeah. amount of time on this planet. Twenty four years. On, <laughs> I would guess the, the beginning stages. or the business. Yeah, uh, the, yeah the, I would say more of like the 
time I really got fixated on self-development and just business as a whole of just, I always had energy to, to bring, whether that was music, I devoted my energy to always business. I used to buy and sell stuff. I still do. Um, that was my kind of entrepreneurial start and different things like that too. But it's just, you realize that you can have a plan like a ABC and a lot of the times when you get into real estate, it's like, okay, you got to make this many calls or do this or that that's what's taught or like, this is the way to do it. The thing is a lot of the times is that's the way it's been done maybe in the past, but that's not necessarily the best way to do it. I just finished a book by Jesse Itzler called living with a seal. Mm. I just finished it last night. Unbelievable book. It was about him, how he lived with a seal, David Goggins, who's a popular person. Now he actually in the book didn't, mentioned his name until the very end introduced him he just referred to him as seal throughout the book but he had a navy seal live with him for 30 days and it just jesse is co-founder of marquee jet zico coconut water part owner of the atlanta hawks and the biggest thing is he says is he doesn't believe in resumes was one Mm. of the things he believes in life resumes in terms of experiences and what you did like that even somebody that has all that money still thinks like that that that's awesome because it is so true when you can think of your life experiences that you have that bring to the table to problem solve, um, that's better than a business degree. You can have a business degree and not have had any real life execution on it, but um, like playing playing sports. I mean, who doesn't want to hire a Division One athlete? Yeah, they're disciplined. They're they stick to it. They've they they you know, we, my coach used to, I was a runner. He said you know you got to run through the finish line. Um, yeah. And so that bringing that mindset in and all those skills are transferable um, into business. You're also managing your emotions. You know, you're pacing yourself. Um, There's so much that athletic, plus just, you know, the athletics of just being in good shape. um, Gets the endorphins going, gets your blood flowing, gets oxygen, you know, gets rid of tons of stress. So you you clear up mental space and and physical, energetic space to actually be present right and like we said on the last podcast if you're not present you're not really listening so if you're not listening you're not hearing if you're not hearing you can't um you know you got to do a couple things you got to be five steps ahead of the conversation because you need to know where you want to take someone in a negotiation but if you're not listening if you're not being if you're not able to multitask and be present um it's a takes you a lot longer to get to that end result definitely a lot of lessons. That's definitely a book too. Again, I'll put try to put something in the description below. There's a lot of lessons from that book. It's Living with a Seal by Jesse Itzler. It's honestly, it's one of the, the best. It's more of a, it's nonfiction, but it's not necessarily a business book. It's more of a mm-hmm. mindset and just learning from his experiences. And that's one of the biggest things is to learn. There's so much, you can go on YouTube and social media and different things like nowadays and read and different things like that and really gain a true perspective of how other people that you maybe you admire went through life and the thing is you realize you read these books and they're like you're like that person's like a normal person they do the same stuff like they're not god like some people look up to athletes they wear their jerseys you wear look up to celebrities and musicians like they're just not real people it's like yeah they're just worked hard and things like that and i think he talked about too was uh the whole idea of before kind of social media and different things like that you just assume that these people were super god gifted talented yeah out of nowhere but they just rose to fame, but the truth is that they worked their asses off. And there's always a backstory. Always, it's just like you didn't, you didn't have that phenomenal body by not working out and eating right. You right. know, you didn't unless you're incredibly gifted. 
you know, or if you, or you're of a certain age. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the same thing, you didn't get to be a successful person. Continued. Continually. Anyone can have a good, I would say anyone can have a good three years. Um, and, and that can be lucky. But for people that have started from one place and have had success in multiple areas of their life for extended periods, you know, that they had a method. Yeah. They had a strategy. And no doubt, they had a lot of failures, a lot of rejection, and that's what makes us grow. If we're, if nothing, if we're not pushed back upon, how do we push our limits? How do we look inside and 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 see if this is actually something that, you know, goes along with my ethics, my integrity, my who I am as a person? Um, you know, society tells us, gives us a lot of rules we need to follow. Oh, and yeah. I think people spend so much time, not time, so much concern worrying about whether they're doing the right thing as far as what society does. Well, what's society anyway? Are they having dinner with you? Are they, what are they know? No. So you no. got to get rid of the shoulds, go inside, think about who you want to be, what do you want to be remembered by, how do you want to live each day? And I would say, if you have any question at all, just have your default be, just be kind. Be the kinder, gentler version of yourself. And that will always work. It's almost like your breath. Like, just breathe a bit. If you don't know where you're going, just chill out. Be kind. Relax. And it will come to you. Absolutely. I think that's a, a bomb dropped right there. Something <laughs> I can do talk off that or speak up on that point but i think that's a pretty good place to end the episode is there anything else you want to say give a little teaser of what's coming up in the next episode yeah so the next episode we're going to um we've got a whole little uh few episodes planned which is it's going to be fun so our next one we want to talk about um you know what's what's actually involved in the real estate agent's job um i think so many people don't really understand that. And I think so many Absolutely. times agents don't do a good job of telling you, telling us, telling you what we do for a number of reasons. One, you hired us to make it a smooth and seamless transaction. Um, but when that happens, oftentimes, why do they, I have to pay you this much? Right. X percent of the, of the deal. And did, what did you do? Especially now when it happens, it's like so quick sometimes. Yeah. It's like, oh, we did a lot. There's, there's a lot of stuff oh, we yeah. managed behind the scenes. That's why it happened so quickly. That's right. <laughs> There's a lot of de-escalation that happens, and um, so we're not going to tell you that every time we're in front of you as our as our seller client or buyer client. So in a podcast, it's a safe place to talk about actually what a real why you're paying that fee to a real estate agent. It doesn't all go to the agent, but why you're paying it to their company. And I'm telling you, and it's not because we're in the business. The best money you can ever spend is on a good real estate agent, five six percent, whatever your commission is. I mean. You're, you're by far getting that um, more in the market by, by using an agent. Absolutely. So that's going to be our next episode. And then we're going to do, um, this is going to be a fun one. Everybody's got a guy. Oh, that's, that's episode I five. That. I got a guy. You know, everyone has the Uncle Joe. As soon as you buy a house, everyone's a real estate expert. You know, so oh, we're going to, that's going to be one. And then we're going to have a, a do not enter. Um, what not to do after your offer has been accepted and then you have landed safely, that is um, your offer is accepted and what are the next stages that uh, buyers and sellers kind of go through. Um, and then we have two more, but we'll leave that up uh, 
for a surprise. So we really love that you've joined us, and we hope you join us next time for episode four. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone.